0: Hi everyone, welcome here. So earlier this week, someone from our church approached me and said they had a theological question, which immediately got me excited uh, because I love that sort of thing. And I started thinking, huh, I wonder what it is. Like uh, maybe it's something about divine foreknowledge and free will or the compatibility of God's goodness with the existence of evil. Or, or maybe it's something about gender and God's design for us. But it was none of those things. Uh, you know what the question was, actually? It was something I've never been asked before. His question was about how Jesus' words in uh, Matthew 10, 34 are to be understood in view of Zechariah 9, verse 10. Now, I'll leave those for you to look up on your own, uh, but for now, let me just say that that person's question made my day, made my whole week, as a matter of fact. Uh, just the pleasure of really engaging intellectually with the things of God, feeling like we were really getting somewhere together. Let me tell you, as a pastor, I live for those moments. Now, why do I share that with you? I share that with you because once we've come through the other side of our current series on the Apostles' Creed, we're going to move into a new series called Burning Questions. Pastor Rusty and I really want this to be shaped by you. And so what we're asking is for you sometime this week uh, is just to ask yourself, if I could ask any question about the Bible, about God, what would it be? And then email us that question, NLC at mymts.net, and darren, D-A-R-E-N-N-L-C, at mymts.net. So nothing's off limits. Everything's on the table. Uh, There's nothing too basic or too complicated to ask. And although we can't guarantee that we'll be able to get to all of the questions... Man, it would really make our week, uh, especially during this season of uh, not being able to see you face-to-face, if you would just take the time to send us your questions. Burning questions. That's the series. God willing, that'll be later this month. But right now, uh, we find ourselves on the cusp of Holy Week, the days leading into Easter. And so here's what's planned for that. This Friday, called Good Friday because it's the day when we celebrate our lord jesus death for us we have an online good friday service pastor rusty has asked me to do the sermon for that uh, which I'm very excited to, to do, really looking forward to, along with some worship music that will be led by Dave de Combe. Uh, and we'll also celebrate uh, communion together again uh, in that service. And so you can be ready with uh, some bread, even unleavened bread if you have that, that's a cracker, uh, or your uh, you know, favorite um, product of, of the grape. Um, yeah, whatever grape-derived beverage you wanna have on hand. And then on Easter Sunday, once again, Uh, We'll have our service online, but we're also going to have something else. Now maybe you've already seen this in Pastor Rusty's email update, but we're going to have a sunrise service, and it's going to be here at the church, no less, uh, or rather in the church parking lot. Uh, So the idea is this, since sunrise will be happening at 6.41 a.m. that morning, whoever's up for it can come and be parked and ready at 6.30 a.m. We won't get out of our cars, and so there'll be no health risk involved, and it'll be very short and sweet. I'm thinking probably no more than 20 minutes or so, but man, what a great way for us to honor our Lord and make a real memory together. So let's just fill the lot on that morning. Now as you can tell between the things that I've mentioned and things like our weekly prayer guide, we're really trying to find ways to stay connected. Uh, and as a further step toward that, this week's worship uh, will not be through a YouTube link, but through our very own Dave DeCombe, who's going to lead us in singing in just a moment. Uh, so we're going to pray. We're going to ask God's blessing in our worship, in, in singing, our worship in uh, attending to the preaching of God's, worship, God's Word, uh, and our worship in giving, in the offering uh, of our money. And so speaking of giving, uh, you know what, this this would actually be a great time for you to just press pause, uh, to worship God through the offering of your money. Uh, Now more than ever, we want to express to him that we do not depend on ourselves, but we depend on him, uh, and we express that by giving uh, financial tithes and offerings through his work uh, through our church. So go ahead, press pause for a moment and go to newlifestonewall.com. Just click on the Give tab, uh, which will guide you through your offerings, and then we'll pray. All right, let's bow our heads. Father of lights, you delight in your children, which is what you've turned us into through faith in your son Jesus. So we pray that you would receive now and bless our worship of money, of singing and of receiving your word in our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Bless you all.
1: Well, good morning, New Life Church. Welcome here this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Darren, for the lovely introduction. Um, I'm excited to uh, take a bit of a part in this and uh, have an opportunity to lead you in some worship. Um, So if you wouldn't mind, why don't you join me and we'll sing some songs together.
2: Jesus, let your kingdom come here, let your will be done here in us. Jesus, there is no Of heaven come down, King of heaven come now. Let your glory reign, shining like the day King of heaven come. We are children of your mercy, rescued for your glory cry, Jesus, set our hearts towards you, that every eye would see you lifted Stand against us. You are strong to save in your mighty name, a King of Heaven. Let your glory reign shine
1: so happy to invite him into this place, into our congregation to be part of it, and we may worship him and help us, Lord, to um, build up our lives so that um, you'll be, ever be present with us.
2: the only one we could ever save Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Oh, we live for you Holy, there is no one like you There is none beside you Open up my my trust in you alone and i will not be shaken holy there is no one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes
1: pray with me Lord I want to thank you for this time that we get to share together and it may not be in person but we can still do church together we are so thankful for that opportunity and Lord as it in uh, our current events Lord with the the virus is going around Lord I ask that you be with us you would guide us and protect us um, keep us safe keep us healthy um, so that this may, may be one day over and we can congregate again together. I just want to thank you for this uh, the opportunity that we can continue to do this. Lord, now as we uh, prepare for Pastor Rusty to come and and, uh, and preach on what you've laid on his heart regarding how to be the church and how to believe in the church, Lord. We're so thankful for that. And we, uh, we look forward to what he has to say and what you've laid on his heart. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: I believe in God the Father Almighty,
0: Creator of heaven and earth.
3: And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord,
0: who was conceived
2: by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under
3: Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. And sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church. The communion
2: of saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body.
3: And the life everlasting. Amen. Good morning, New Life Church. Welcome here. Uh, So glad you were able to join us from the comfort of your own living room this morning. Uh, Here we are in week three of doing church this way. Hopefully you figured out how to use that internet thing. And uh, by now know that you're supposed to have a pad of paper, your Bible and a pen there uh, beside you. If you're tuning in for the very first time and you've never been to New Life Church before, welcome here. We're so glad uh, you joined us. My name is Rusty. I'm lead pastor here, and uh, we hope that when we can gather again that you might come and and, uh, visit us, check out what happens here, and we'd love to give you a a gift if if you make it out our way, a coffee mug and a cinnamon bun to enjoy here. Uh, Church, I just want to share with you the good news. that a couple new baby girls in the life of the church. Congratulations, Murphy family, uh, Shane and Ashley. As you've welcomed uh, little baby Sloan into your family, we're super excited for you. Uh, congratulations, Aaron and Kayleen Reimer, uh, who just had their little girl a day ago. Now, I haven't heard the name yet. I can only imagine maybe it's Rustina or some other pretty uh, name like that, but we're excited to meet uh, those little girls. Uh, so congratulations. Uh, congratulations to you. Uh, we've been going through a series through the winter here, called the Apostles' Creed, This We Believe. What we've been doing is we've been discovering authentic Christianity. Because there's a whole lot of counterfeits out there. And there have always been counterfeit Christianities, right from pretty much the beginning. And so centuries ago, those early Christians decided to kind of gather together uh, those foundational truths that represented true Christian faith. And they put together what has become known as uh, the Apostles' Creed. And so we've been going through this creed line by line over uh, the winter. We're nearing the end. We're going to come to the end next Sunday, Easter Sunday. Uh, hope to, uh, to see you on Easter Sunday. Hope to see you in the parking lot, bright and early, 6.30, uh, Easter Sunday morning. I think that's going to be a great time. But as we go through the creed, we're going to make a bit of a shift this morning. Uh, Because to this point, we've really been focusing on who God is and what God does. But this morning, we're going to talk about you. We're going to talk about us. Uh, We're going to talk about what it means to believe in the church. Uh, So if you have your pad of paper ready, you got a pencil or a pen, just put right across the top of your paper, I believe in the church. I believe in the church. Now, do you believe in the church? Uh, What does that mean? Like I think probably most of us watching, we would say we belong to the church, but I wonder if it's possible to belong to the church without necessarily believing in in the church, uh, you know, there's, a, there's many people out there who say they believe in God, but, but not so many people that say that they would believe in the church. What does it mean to believe in the church? That's what we're going to talk about here this morning. Um, and, and when even I say that word church, how do you feel? Kind of what comes to mind? Do you get excited when you think about the church? Ah, if some of you were to be honest, you'd probably say, well, not really. You know who gets excited about the church? God. God gets really excited about the church. The church was his idea, his design, his vision. God gets excited about the church. And uh, as I've been studying what God has to say about the church, it's kind of just increased within me again and in a fresh way my love for this thing that we call church. Uh, And my excitement about what it is, what we're called to be, what we're called to do. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, here this morning. You know, the first reference to the church in the Bible actually comes from the mouth of Jesus. We find it in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16. He's having a conversation with his uh, disciples. And uh, he says to them, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but but by, by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. There it is, the very first reference to church. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overcome it. Okay, so there you have it. Jesus came to build his church. So, but, but what does Jesus mean by church? What does he mean? Does he mean a place? No. Does he mean a time of the week? No, he doesn't. Does Jesus mean a certain activity? No. I mean, those things are all kind of outworkings of the church, but Jesus means something different than those things when he says I'm going to build my church. The Apostles, the Apostles' Creed gives us some clues, kind of some pointers into the scriptures to help us understand what the church is. So why don't we look at the creed together? You know, it's been a few weeks since we've actually read it through and declared it as a church. So I invite you wherever you're at, if you would just stand there uh, uh, in your living room, in your bedroom, in your kitchen, uh, there with me. Let's all stand together as a church and let's just declare uh, our faith uh, in unison. So let's, let's declare the Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay, so this morning we're just going to focus on that one statement about the church and specifically what it says there. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of of the saints now I imagine that raises a few questions in your mind and we're going to address those what we're going to do together is we're going to look at the meaning of the church the mission of the church the ministry of the church and the misery yes misery of the church and you're going to have to hang around to the end of the sermon to hear what I mean when I say the misery of the church but on that pad of paper on the one side just uh, write the numbers one through four down the side one through four I encourage you to take notes I'm going to leave a question with you at the end Uh, Beside number one, write the meaning of the church, the meaning of the church. You know, on every occasion in the Bible where we get that word, it always refers to a group of people, never to a place or, or an activity or a time, it always refers to a group of people and not just any people, it refers to a group of people who share a common confession, As Jesus said, when when he had the interaction with Peter in Matthew 16, when when Peter said, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're right. God revealed that to you. And upon that truth, that confession, Peter, I am going to build my church. So the church is built upon the truth of the gospel, which is that God the Son, Jesus Christ, comes into the world, becomes a man, lives a sinless life, and on the cross dies, paying for our sin, rises from the dead, overcoming the power of death, making a way for us into a reconciled relationship with God through faith in what he has done on our behalf. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And Jesus says the church is built upon that confession. The church is comprised of all of those people Who confess that truth. The redeemed of God. They are the church. They hold that one thing in common. So church is not something you come to. It's not a building. It's not even primarily something you do. Church is something you are. Okay? We, as followers of Jesus Christ, are the church Now, that word church, again, is used in two different ways in uh, the New Testament. It's used in reference of what we might call the universal church, and then used uh, in reference to what we might call a local church. Always to a group of people, but sometimes all Christians of all times and all places, and then at other times, a very specific group of Christians at one place at one time. And so in the Creed, when it said, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, and you've probably wondered, like, do we believe in the Catholic Church? What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that we believe in the Roman Catholic Church. That word Catholic simply means universal. Universal through all time and place. Okay? Not just global, but universal. The church of all time and place. Not churches, but church. There is one Church comprised of all followers of Jesus in all places at all times. I've done a lot of traveling um, over the years to to, uh, wildly different places, lots of different cultures, different foods, different languages. I remember going to Macedonia and Mongolia and Rwanda and a few other neat places. And, And everywhere I go when I meet a Christian, and, and even if we have nothing else in common, even if we can't even speak the same language, I just feel this deep kinship, this deep bond and, and fellowship with, with that person or group of people. And if you've traveled, maybe you know what I'm talking about. What we're doing is, is we have this unity in the spirit through a common faith, okay, a common confession that makes us one. We actually are one and we feel that oneness across Place. And the Bible says, even across time, in in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it talks about the church that's already gone on uh, to heaven. Hebrews 12, 1 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that is those Christians who have already died and gone on, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let's run our race with with perseverance because we have this great cloud of people who have gone before us, our family, the church, kind of up there like in the stands, witnessing, cheering us on. And so, Uh, We believe that there is but one church, okay? That's what we say, one church united by spirit in one faith. Now, the scriptures, you know, can't really conceive of of someone who's a part of this big universal church who's not a part of a small local church, okay? They can't conceive of of someone who would be a part of one and, and not the other, not a part of a, 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 a specific group of people in a specific place. What we call the local church. You know, the Bible gives us a few different pictures for the church. Kind of three primary ones. Uh, we're told that the church is like a family. Okay? We're the family of God. And that's why we call one another. In the Bible, calls us brothers and sisters. Okay? There's one family with many members. And so to have a common father means that we have other family members. There's one family, but many members. Another picture that the Bible gives us is that of a body. The church is like a body. We see this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. A body that's made up of many parts that are tied together, that work together for the good of each part and for the good of the whole. And it would be kind of weird, wouldn't it, if you just had like a hand laying over here and you had a foot laying over there and maybe an ear over here and none of them were attached None of them were working together. They were separated and had no real functional relationship. That wouldn't make any sense. The Bible says that as a church, we're one body with many parts connected, working together for the good of the whole. The Bible gives us a third analogy. We find this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It says, as you come to him, that is Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into, here it is, a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Peter says the church is is like a building, okay, that that God has, has put together, and each one of us is a brick, now, I don't have a brick here to, to, to show you because I don't, you know me, I, I, I don't know what I would do with a brick. But you, but a, a brick all by itself, what is it good for? Not really much of anything, right? Like you can, you, you can maybe hold a, a door open with a brick or maybe uh, weigh down a, a stack of papers or maybe do something destructive like throw it through a window. But a brick in its very existence is made to be joined together with other bricks To be connected to make something bigger and so this is the church each one of us is a part each one of us is a brick okay and and when we are joined together we become this spiritual house Peter says the church um I I heard a good illustration recently that I that I thought um This is a great picture for the church. I was watching one of those nature shows. And I was talking about something that they've they've named Pando. Which is, uh, they've discovered the largest living organism. Okay? Uh, in, In Utah, there's this one valley where there's this big aspen forest. And all of these, you know, countless aspen trees. And what they've discovered recently is that these aren't a whole bunch of separate trees. This is actually one tree one living organism. It, 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 they found that there's just one single genetic marker for the whole, and so all, even though they look like all these different trees, underneath the ground, they all share exactly the same roots. It's one root, and, and, and they kind of pop through the ground as separate trees, but it's really one living organism, covering 106 Uh, acres of land. They they estimate weighing 15 million pounds and being 80,000 years old, the world's largest living organism. And I thought, you know, that's kind of a cool picture for the church. That's what the church is. The church is this big universal, what we may call the invisible church this root system, but then the church pops up in various places out of the ground. Okay, this outcropping of, of these groups of believers that are the local church, but, but underneath they're all tied together. Really, they're, they're one. There's one genetic makeup. There's one DNA. That is the church. It is the redeemed people of God across space and time that manifests itself In local gatherings. And we're told not only is this church uh, Catholic universal, but this church is holy. And this church is comprised of holy people, right? We believe in the holy Catholic church, the communion of saints. Now that word saint literally means holy one, okay? So this church is holy and it's comprised of holy people. Now, do you believe in in saints? Like, do we believe in saints? What does that mean? That we believe in the communion of the saints? I don't know what you think of when you think of a saint, but, um, uh, oh, sorry, this is, uh, I've I've skipped ahead here. This is a picture of this Pando forest, okay? All these aspen trees, and uh, you can see here just uh, um, uh, an image of the root system underneath, that ties them all together, one living organism. I think that's pretty cool. So uh, forgive me for missing those pictures. Okay, when I think of uh, a saint, this is what I think of. Someone that looks like this, right? Um, I hadn't, have you ever seen anybody that looked like that? No, I haven't, you know, that, that held their fingers in those ways and wore that sort of, of robe and had a beard that looked like that. Um, you know, maybe Kurt Porteous, he's getting there. I think he'll get there someday. But, uh, or had that big, like, golden halo but they carry it around with them. I've never seen anyone like that. But I, uh, I think that's pretty cool. Um, I thought I, I, it might be nice for me to have a golden halo. I pitched it to the, to the CMT. Thought it might just add to my credibility when I spoke up here. But they said we don't have room in the budget for a golden halo. So um, anyway, if you think I, I should have a golden halo, then if you just write on your offering envelope, Pastor's Golden Halo Fund, I'm sure we can get me a, a golden halo. I think it would be awesome. Um, anyway, I've never seen anyone that, that looked like that. And, and when we think of a, a saint, maybe that's immediately what comes to mind. And you know, I did a little research this week into how you become a saint. And it's quite a process. It's actually a five-step process. So um, I don't know that you'll want to be a saint after you hear that. The first step is you got to be dead. You have to be dead for at least five years to be considered uh, for sainthood. Okay, so you got to be dead for at least five years and, uh, and then after five years, a bishop can open an investigation into a person's life to see if there's sufficient holiness in that person's life. And if there's found to be sufficient holiness, they're given the designation servant of God. And then uh, it goes up the chain one more step. And, and, and they look to see if this was a person of heroic virtue. Like, did they lead and influence other people to draw nearer to God? And if so, then they give this person the title venerable. Okay? Uh, But then it goes another step further. If this person has a verified, credible miracle, one miracle that can be attributed to them, uh, then they are beatified. They are beatific. Uh, But if they can find a second credible, verified miracle, then they qualify for sainthood and they're canonized and become a saint. And then you can Prayed to them because now we know that they're with God and they can talk with God and God is going to listen to them. Interesting. Except the Bible is very clear that you are a saint and I'm a saint. Every member of the church is a saint according to the scriptures. We are called holy ones, we're saints. Uh, As as Peter said, we are a holy priesthood. There is no level in the church, levels of access to God. We are all, each one of us, a holy priest. Now, when we think of holy, right away, our mind maybe goes to perfect, okay? But when the Bible talks about holy, it doesn't primarily mean perfect. That word holy literally means set apart, set apart. To be holy is to be set apart by God for a special purpose purpose. Okay, so when we hear the word holy, we shouldn't hear right away perfection, we should hear purpose. To be holy is to be set apart for a special purpose. And we as a church and each one uh, of us in it, we are holy because God has called us and set us apart for a special purpose, for his purposes. What is that purpose? Well, He goes on, Peter, in uh, verses 9 and 10, he says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Okay. We are a holy nation, a chosen people. That we may declare the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into light. What is our purpose as the church? By by number two, I'd like you to write there the mission of the church. We're going to talk now about the purpose of the church. So write number two, the mission of the church. At the beginning of the book of Acts, when Jesus is just about to ascend and, and go back to heaven... He just has some last words with his disciples. These are his final words, actually. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says to to his uh, first disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I'm going to give you power when my spirit comes on you and you are going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So the mission of the church is to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus to the very ends of the earth, to the very last village, the last house on the last street in the furthest away place. That is the mission of the church, that the gospel would go and be shared everywhere. And so just a chapter later, in Acts chapter 2 now, when those first disciples are waiting in that upper room for this gift of the Spirit, we find that in Acts chapter 2, God pours out His Spirit on those followers. And um, it says in Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues, in other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, so... They're given this gift, this spirit, and and the church was born in that moment. I would say, like, that would be the moment the church was born. It was established on that day when God gave his people his spirit, his power, okay? So on that day, the church was born. And what happened immediately? Well, what happened immediately is those first Christians began to miraculously speak in these other languages as the spirit enabled them. And it goes on to say that there were staying in Jerusalem, people from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. And utterly amazed, they, they asked themselves, who are these people? How is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Well, what does it mean? It means that the church, God has called the church and given to the church the mission, okay, of bringing his good news, the good news of salvation to the whole world. And God has equipped The church for that purpose. Okay. So that's the mission of the church. To spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Earth Mission is in the DNA uh, of of the church. Okay. We must go. We must share. I mean that's how we got here. Right. I mean we're just just that last link in a long chain. Someone shared the faith with you. Maybe it was a parent or grandparent or co-worker. Or a friend. Um. Someone shared it with them, and if you trace back that chain, it goes all the way back to that day to that room when the Holy Spirit came on those first followers, and the church was born that 's how we got here right the church 's mission is to share the good news of Jesus with the world so, so we 're set apart not just not to be separate from the world, okay, not to separate ourselves from the world, we are set apart, chosen by God, to be an instrument, his instrument to bring to the world the message of salvation. You know, the the problem with the Jews in Jesus' day is they were the chosen people, and they knew it, but they thought that they were supposed to keep God all to themselves. Okay? Uh, That God had had chosen them, and, and he hadn't chosen anybody else. What they didn't realize is that God had chosen them so that through them, he could Bring everybody to himself. And so this is what the church is for. God's chosen tool, people, right? To bring his salvation to the whole world. The church is for all people. All people, not certain kinds of people. The church is for all people. So to to say I believe in the church means I believe it's our job. Our job, I believe it's my job to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around me. And for all of us to keep doing that until we reach the end of the earth. That's the mission of the church. Mission is in our DNA. And I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some kid out there watching right now, some young kid or a teenager, and God's got a calling on your life to go give your life to do that very thing somewhere far away with the people that don't yet know him, haven't heard the good news, how awesome that would be if God placed that calling in someone's life who's watching that right now. But, but for all of us, the calling is there um, in our neighborhoods, you know, in our families, in our schools, at our workplaces. That's the mission of the church. Number three, number three, write the ministry of the church, the ministry of the church. Jesus prayed for us. Now, I think this is kind of cool. We have one occasion in John chapter 17 where Jesus actually specifically prayed for us, the people that would follow him, you know, in in centuries to come. And so in in John 17, verse 20 to 23, um, Jesus prays this. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, that is, those first followers. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one father just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Did you hear that church that they may be one Jesus says as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So I want us to hear a few things in those words there. Jesus is talking about his relationship with his father. He talks about how he has won with his father. And, and this is what we've, we've seen over these weeks as we've looked at the character of God in the Apostles' Creed. That God is community in his very essence. Like God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And within God, there's this flow of love. It's these loving relationships. God is community. And we as human beings were made in God's image. We were made in God's image to reflect that nature, that character, which is why back at the beginning when he makes man, he he looks at them and says, it's not good for man to be alone. I need to make another. We are made for community. So when we say, I believe in the church, one thing we're saying is, I believe in we. I don't believe in I. I believe in we. You know, we get to. Sh- this is the incredible thing. We get to share in that um, in that flow of love in God in that in that divine community. We get to share in that. Jesus talks about how we are in Him, in them, and so we have this incredible vertical relationship communion with God through His Holy Spirit who dwells within us. But but that but that uh, that fellowship, that communion with God, that vertical relationship, really we see here shapes. Uh, us horizontally. It shapes uh, all of our um, relationships with one another. Jesus says, just as he and his father are one, so we, the church, are called to be one, to have complete unity. We are to share in this communion. The church is, at its essence, is a community of loving, self-giving, self-sacrificing relationships. That is The church. Um, Just a few words from the book of Romans. As Paul describes what the church is supposed to be like, he says in Romans chapter 12, verses 9, he says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless. Do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. And do not be conceited. And there he's just talking about what these loving relationships look like within the church, what oneness looks like. We are to be, as his church, we are to be a family for all. Okay? A family for all. We are to be a place where nobody has need. Material need, social, relational need, emotional need, spiritual need. Okay? We are to be a place where, where we support one another, we love one another, we serve one another, we bear up one another's burdens right so that there are none that have need that's the church you know and that requires organization you know the, 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 that even that term organized organized religion's kind of fallen on hard times right um, it's not so fashionable. What's fashionable now is kind of spontaneity, individualism, spirituality, but not organized religion, right? Um, uh, yeah, informal, casual, unorganized, uh, but, but the church, okay? That when we say we believe in the church, what we're saying is we believe, we believe that we are to organize ourselves, We are to organize ourselves. We are to structure ourselves. And you see this at the very first church, Acts chapter 6, right? Because some people's needs were being met. Some widows were being fed and other widows weren't being fed. They were falling through the cracks. And that was unacceptable. So those first apostles said, hey, listen, you need to appoint for yourself. Uh, you need to appoint for yourself deacons, servants, to oversee and to manage to make sure that needs get met. You need to build structure and, and develop organization for the good of the church. Organized for the good of the whole. And what I, I truly believe is nothing, nothing is more powerful than a spirit-filled organized church. Nothing in the world is more powerful than a spirit-filled organized church which is why in in this crazy time we're living in uh, a few weeks ago we we organized this care team we don't want anybody to fall through the cracks okay we might just hope that things happen organically okay but but what we want to do is we want to take care of one another organizationally okay so we Develop this care team, 23 care team members that are touching base with everybody in the church during this time to make sure that everyone is being prayed for, cared for, needs are being met. And that's just been an awesome thing. And I hope that's been a blessing uh, to those of you who are receiving that care. And I know I've talked with people on the care team. It's just been such a blessing uh, for them to have those conversations with you, to be praying um, for you. Okay, this is a time when we can show what it means to be the church right now. When when we have all of this need around us. Uh, Let's not be deterred from helping one another in need. Okay, and I know there's social distancing right now, and we got to be careful, absolutely. But sometimes caring for someone involves cost, Okay, sometimes caring for someone involves a little bit of risk. Earlier today, we had this big snowstorm. Um, I was down on an unplowed street, and there was, this, there was this car that was stuck, and someone trying to push this car to get it out, and it just wasn't, wasn't working. So I, I parked my van uh, to come and to join them to push, okay? Because there was someone in the, Was I six feet apart? Probably not quite six feet Okay, but, but I guess what I want to say, church, is what, what it means to really love one another well is to meet another's need, even if there is a cost. So in, in the, especially in this time, church, let's not be deterred from helping people uh, in need, whatever those needs are. Let's just excel at love. Let's excel at loving one another um, in this season. So to say, I believe in the church, is is really to say, I need others. I don't believe in I, I believe in we. I need others, and others need me. I believe that we're better together. We're better together. So the church is this communion of loving, self-giving, self-sacrificing, relationships. It's such a beautiful thing and Jesus says when, when we do that, when we have that sort of oneness, that sort of love, divine love for one another, uh, that's such a powerful picture that the world looks at that, he said, and believes in Jesus. Believes in the gospel, not just because of what we say, but because they look at love in action and it causes them to believe in the message When when we show the world this picture of radical, divine love. So let's just excel at loving one another. Now, the problem, I mean, that sounds all great, right? Um, We would hope and dream and pray that our church would be that. Um, Now, the problem is, sometimes that picture that we portray as the church just isn't, isn't quite that, is it? It's just not so pretty sometimes we, we fall short of that ideal and maybe some of you watch this show called nailed it where they take out a cake a fancy cake made by a professional cake maker and then they have these contestants they have to recreate this cake and see how close they can get to the original and it's it's uh, quite uh, a funny show but here's a picture of uh, <laughs> this cake right comparing expectations to reality. And, and I, I looked at that and I chuckled and I thought, yeah, maybe that's kind of how we feel about the church, right? Like, the Bible portrays just this incredible picture of the church. Uh, but, but sometimes the reality just doesn't feel quite like that, uh, does it? It's not just quite so pretty. And maybe some of you here, well, I know some of you, you've been hurt by the church or by somebody in the church. You've experienced disappointments you weren't cared for. Someone wasn't there when you needed someone uh, to be there. Someone wronged you. Um, you know, we've all had some bad experiences with the church. I remember a guy talking with a guy who Armand was his name. You know, he, he was a Christian, he said, but, and he did church at home, but he just, I, I asked him why he, he didn't come to church. He said, ah, just a bunch of hypocrites. And I said to him, yeah, you're right. You're right. We all have this ideal that we fall short of. Come join the club, Armand. Come join the club. Um, yeah, sometimes being part of the church feels less like a blessing and more like a burden. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Um, you know, sometimes work, and, and by work I mean kind of serving one another in and, and these relationships. Sometimes church is a chore. Sometimes church is work. Sometimes maybe it even feels miserable, like misery. By number four, I I, I want you to write the words, the misery of the church, the misery of the church. And um, maybe that's not even the right word. I, I don't know, it just kind of fit with the acronym, so I went with it. The misery of the church. Here two weeks ago, I was standing on this spot and uh, officiating a wedding of a young couple here in our church. And I I just love quoting this verse uh, during wedding ceremonies. A verse from 1 Corinthians 7 where Paul says, Those who marry will have many troubles in this life. I just love that verse. (laughs) I just love using it just to maybe kind of let some air out of that, the balloon of that that perfect ideal picture of, of marriage that so many of us enter into. Right? Uh, kind of that ha- happily ever after sort of thing. And, and if you've been married more than, I don't know, eight hours, you, uh, you realize that it, that's, it's not happily ever after. There's times where marriage isn't necessarily happy. Okay? Now, many of us have found deep happiness in marriage, but not without its hardships. Actually, through the hardships, we found a deep happiness in marriage, many of us, husbands and wives. And so what I often say at weddings is I say, you know what? Um, I say, uh, marriage is going to be hard. There's going to be some suffering in marriage. Not because there's anything wrong with marriage, okay? It's because we, every marriage is comprised of two imperfect people. And you know, when you're on your own by yourself, like all that gunk in you, right? All the impurities in your life, greed, anger, laziness, impatience, whatever those things are, right? Like they can kind of lie hidden, undiscovered, unchallenged, but then you enter into a deep ongoing relationship with someone and and over time those things that are in you will come to the surface. They will manifest themselves and then you have to decide what you're going to do with that, right? Are you going to allow yourself to be shaped and changed and grow and become better or are, are are you going to be uh, unwilling to change and be miserable in marriage? It's going to be one or the other. But the challenges will come in marriage. And I say to couples, I say, you know what? Marriage is one of God's best training grounds for holiness. His way of of shaping us through that relationship. When things are hard, I say marriage is doing its work in you. Okay? It's not broken. It's actually doing its work in you. So I was thinking about that this week, and I thought, you know what? The church is actually a lot like that, okay? God's plan for the church is perfect, but those of us who are in the church are imperfect, right? All of us are imperfect. I mean, in marriage, at least you get to pick your spouse. You don't even get to pick who you do church with, right? Who's in your family? You come... And, and you have all sorts of people in this family with all sorts of different personalities and all sorts of hang-ups and baggage, right? And all sorts of preferences that aren't your own preferences. And you got to learn to live together, right? You got to learn, you got to change, you got to grow. Church, I believe, is God's primary training ground for holiness. Um, I think that maybe this is what Paul was getting at in Colossians 3, 12 to 14. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, he's talking to the church, holy, there's that word again, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, he says you're going to need those clothe yourselves with those things bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone else forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul says to the church you're going to need to forgive one another and you're going to you're going to need to offer forgiveness. Okay, because, you know, in church, we're just a whole bunch uh, of, of imperfect people on this journey, right? And um, we need to receive and we need to give grace. Um, I, I'm sure that uh, there's no piece of marble that ever really loved the chisel or a piece of rough wood that loved the sandpaper, and yet the chisel and the sandpaper did its work and made a beautiful statue, right? And made some, some beautiful woodwork. Um, you know, in church, you know, we, we experience the chisel, and we experience the sandpaper um, in relationships, in different ways. And then we have to decide, what are we going to do with that? Do, do we think that church is broken? Or is church actually doing its work when that happens? Right? When church feels like work, God is at work. That, that's what I want you to know. When church feels like work, when those relationships feel like work, when it would be easier just to, just to leave. When it feels like work, God is at work shaping us. When it's hard, God is making us holy. The church is doing its work because the church is God's primary training ground for holiness, so so to say, I believe in the church, is also to say I'm going to let the church do its refining work in me. When things get hard, I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to hide. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to let it shape me, and mold me. I'm going to persevere. I believe in the church. believe you know believe again it's not just a mental exercise right belief is what drives our attitudes and our actions and so I believe in the church So, the question I have for you is is what would it look like for you to not just belong to the church but to believe in the church what would it look like for you to take a take a step a step further from just belonging in the church to further believing in the church to, to really being the church I mean, I'd love for you, in a few minutes when we're done here, for you just to look at that piece of paper and, and just, just to look at the notes you've taken and the statements you've written there and just to ask God, God, what does it look like for me to believe in the church, to embrace the church's mission, to have this sort of community, to stick it out when times are hard? God, what does it look like to believe in the church? In a moment, Dave's going to come and he's going to lead us in a closing song. Uh, It's going to be the lion and the lamb. And uh, we've sung that song, a lot a great song, but it opens with this statement. It says, he, that is Jesus, he's coming on the clouds. King and kingdoms will bow down and every chain will break as broken hearts declare his praise for who can stop the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord Almighty and who can stop his church? If we're being the church, Jesus says, I am going to build my church. And not even the gates of hell are going to overcome that. Now, does that kind of like stir your heart? Does that get you excited? Jesus is building his church and nothing can stop it. Because nobody can stop him. You know, church, uh, the day is coming when we're going to join the church. Uh, the church that's already gone on. To be uh, in, in God's presence. And, and you know our race is going to be over at that point. Uh, but But here we are. We have race yet to run as the church. Let's run this race with perseverance. Okay. Let's. Let's do well at being the church. Let's excel at loving one another. L- let's extend the good news of Jesus to those people and places that don't have it yet. L- like, let's, let's spread the good news. Let's love one another well. Let's allow ourselves to be shaped by one another. Let's really be the church and believe in the church Um yeah why don't we just commit ourselves to god again in prayer before we close with this final song uh just bow with me and and let's just offer ourselves as for his church again um, and to him god we um we love you we love that you came and that through your son jesus you have brought us into your family you have united us With you, that we belong to you. We are your children. We are a chosen people. We are holy to you. You have set us apart uh, for yourself, God. And that's a great privilege for which we just thank you so, so much. And Lord, we know that that comes with a great responsibility. So might you just enable us, your church, New Life Church, everyone who's listening, Lord, enable us by your Spirit to really. Believe in the church, to be the church well, Lord, to run this race with perseverance. Oh God, we just, we just give ourselves to you again for whatever purposes you have for us. And especially in this time of pandemic, Lord, we don't know what you're up to around us, but we know that you want us in this time, in this critical time, to be the church in kind of new ways to one another and to those around us. So Father, just give us eyes to see how we can do that and just kind of hearts to respond um, to those opportunities. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, before we sing, why don't we uh, just declare that we are the church together. Um, As we do, you can join me in reading the all caps. We are the church. So wherever you go, Christ goes. If someone asks, what is your church like? Let's tell them, I am what my church is like. If someone asks, what does your church do? Let's tell them, I am doing what my church does. We are the church. And we may be the only contact that someone has with Jesus this week. So, though they may not yet belong to the church, we can bring the church to them.
1: Well, thank you, Pastor Rusty, for that uh, encouraging message on how we can be the church and, and believe in the church. Um, we're going to sing one more song together. This song is called "The Lion and the Lamb." You've, you've seen sing at this church uh, often. Um, it's uh, This song has spoken to me personally in my own life uh, a few years ago when I heard it for the first time. Um, being brought up in church, we, we always learned how Christ was a sacrificial lamb who was pure and and died for our sins and rose again and, and, and cleansed us from all sin. And that's certainly a wonderful thing uh, that we rely on <laughs> or we put our life on. Um, so I don't want to diminish that, but it's it's interesting to see it from the other perspective how, how he's he's both the lamb but he's also a lion and he 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 battles on our behalf he he fights the things that we can't fight and um i'm just reminded at this time of of uncertainty in the world um regarding the spread of covid19 and how we have to take extra measures and 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 not only just in a church perspective but just in, in a life perspective in a job perspective in a financial perspective some people are out of work um there's a lot of uncertainty ahead but i take solace in knowing the fact that not only did he die for our sins and 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 cleansed us from all unrighteousness but he he's fighting this battle that we're waging right now he's fighting it for us it's already been won our salvation is secured and 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 that's just really encouraging for me so this time I've I've spent at home, unable to work. Um, I've gotten to spend more time with my kids and my family and my wife. Um, I've started trying to learning new things that I didn't really have time to do before. So it, it's, I've considered this time certainly stressful, but um, certainly I, I would take it as a blessing. And I, I would hate for it to go to waste. So I'm eager to deepen my relationship with Christ during this time as well and put more focus on Him. So let's sing... Uh, one last song together.
2: He's coming on the clouds Kings and kingdoms will bow down And every chain will break has broken hearts declare His praise For who can stop the Lord Almighty? And our God is a lion He's a Lion of Judah He's roaring with power And fighting our battles And every knee will bow before Him And our God is a Lamb He's a lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. And every knee will bow before him. Open up the gates, make way before the King of kings. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? And our God is a lion, he's a lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. And our God is the Lamb and the Lamb that was slain. For the sins of the world, His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before him. Who can stop him? is roaring with power and fighting our battles and every knee will bow before him and our God is the lamb and the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world his blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb and every knee will bow before him, and every knee will bow before him, and every knee will bow before.
1: Well, church, have a great week. Be well and be safe. And God bless you this week. See you next Friday.